The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's podcast, we have two great guests. First, we have Chris Hero, who's going to be getting back into the ring after being out for three and a half years. Very rare you hear from Chris Hero, but you will on today's Busted Open Podcast. Also, before his big pay-per-view match at Full Gear, 18-year-old Nick Wayne joins us right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Coming up on Saturday, Full Gear, one of the marquee matchups. Sting, Darby Allin, Adam Copeland going up against Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and if you haven't guessed by the music, our guest right now, Mr. Nick Way. Nick, how are you? And thank you so much for the time this morning. Hello, you guys. I'm good. How are you guys? We are excited. We're excited for Full Gear this weekend and excited to have you on for a very first time here on Busted Open, Nick. Nice to yes, have you, thank man. you guys. Thank you guys. So, Nick, let me ask you, this story, the story involving your family, your family history, your dad, difficult for you? to do that on dynamite each week mm, i wouldn't say maybe difficult but it's definitely like been a it's definitely like a touchy subject you know what i mean yeah. so to put it out there and present it to the real world and kind of give them all the details and all the feelings about a real life tragic situation um sometimes you don't know like what is too far and what is like do do you really tell them like everything but everything that we've said and done has been like a complete 100% true story so we've kind of just held nothing back you know it's just what what is presented on TV is the full real story and full real feelings and affections well um, i mean have, yeah tommy i, I was going to say you know you, your father i knew your dad um your father being in the industry one i know he'd be super proud but the other part of it is he would give everything he would to further a storyline uh so you like growing up in the industry you get that especially now involving your mom and all that stuff so it's kind of ingrained in you because you've been wrestling at how old because i remember hearing the stories of you um i i went up and worked for asw and it was around the time when your father had had passed and everyone was talking about you and like yeah he's wrestling i believe you were what 13 or 15 um, around that time. So I made my in-ring debut around 12 and I met you around 11 or 12, but I started yeah. training once I was nine. 
Yeah. Wow. Um, so, I mean, uh, you're also, in, in my opinion, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you're honoring him and his memory by involving him in this angle. Very much so. That is like kind of my goal. And a lot of people have told me that were close to my dad. They were like, I feel like this is an amazing thing that you get to present your father and his story on a national televised level. Um, even without him being here. So yes, what exactly what you said is exactly what I'm trying to do. I love it. Nick, how does your mom feel about this entire situation and story playing out on television? Um, so I had, I had a feeling because before I made my debut, we kind of made these video packages um, before at the wrestling school. So I, I, I think she knew that the story would kind of play out and become like a, a main persona, I guess you could say of mine, or like a, a big thing that would be out there to the public. And she was okay with it because I think she saw it coming. Um, but getting her involved with it and then all the stuff with Christian and Darby, that uh, I don't think any of us knew uh, what happened. So, but everything we've been doing, like she's cool with, she's on board with. Um, and I, I think she, I think, and everyone else thinks she's doing great with it. So, <laughs> have, uh, have have you or your mom have to have to have been convinced of anything that Christian has wanted to do or say? No, no, everything's been like on board. The only things that have gotten like tough was like uh, when when we had to film the uh, the introduction packages the parts where I'd have to talk about my dad and the day everything happened because we kind of just filmed like a 10, 15 minute thing of me talking and they just put it into pieces and piece it together. Those are like the only hard parts. It's just like kind of recalling and rethinking the day is what gets tough and chokes me up. Yep. Uh, Dave and I were sold on your heel persona after the sit down. And yep. I mean, we were like, you little son of a bitch. And <laughs> especially then when Christian came uh, on the, on the back end of that entire thing. And, and I mean, I, I know because you, you're, you're a student of the game, but uh, you know, you're going in, I mean, if you could ever picture your young life, even though you're in the wrestling business, you're going to be facing Adam Copeland sting and Darby Allen, who I know had a big part in your hiring and your career. Uh, and you also have Christian as your partner. I mean, this is insane. If you really like, it's one of those, how did I get here moments? It is a uh, very, how did I get here moment? Just about every week for me to be real. I think the first time was either wrestle dream when I had the turn or the previous week when we did the segment, just standing up on the stage next to Christian and then looking down the ramp and into the ring at sting and Adam Copeland is I was like, there's no way I'm standing here right now at 18 with these people. And like, especially with Sting being on the back end of his career right now with his retirement coming up in February, knowing that I will be one of his final matches and one of his last pay-per-view matches at 18 just blows my mind when I sit there and I think about it. It's like, I couldn't be more grateful for an opportunity like this at such a young age. You know, is the nature boy, Ric Flair, going to be in the corner? Yes. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he is. I think he's going to be in the corner on Saturday. So think about that. Think of Sting, Flair, and, and Adam Copeland. You know, Nick, like in the mainstream sport world, like football, basketball, you were what we would call a blue-chip prospect. You're somebody that was signed early on. 
before you're even at the age to be able to step into the ring. So what was that period like for you, knowing that you were going to be part of the AEW family, but just waiting for the timing of your age being able to step on the ring on national TV? What was that time like for you? Um, so when I got presented the contract, I was uh, 16. It was in about February of 2022. And I had to wait until July of 2023 to debut on TV for AEW. So that time, that year and a half long, I just tried to get as best as I could. I tried to do all the independence possible, just fill up my days completely. While on top of that, still going to a normal high school junior and senior year. So just wow. the weekends and the weekdays, I would try to fill up my schedule as much as as much as possible. Um, I went international in that time. I did two tours in Japan, I think five in the UK. I went to France. Um, so I just tried to stay as busy as possible and just become the best version of myself and working out and eating as consistent as possible. Even though I might not look the best right now, I'm still only 18, but I work out every day. I eat six times a day, just trying to put on size and become the best version I can of myself uh, to eventually get to that position that was AEW and just be the best version of myself that I could. Growth hormone will help you put on a lot of size. You stop. You don't <laughs> listen to that. That's why he's a healer. Don't listen to him. You jumped from the indies right onto AEW television. Tell me the number one thing you learned once moving on to a major company and working with stars who have been there and done that. Uh, that less is more. Less is very much more. There's like a, there was a phase on the indies where it felt like, well, it felt like more was more, you know, you know what I mean? It just, it felt like so many like run, 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 run to this was like how it's done, you know? But then once you work with these professionals, it's like, no, it's just this and it's done. And it's the same, it's the same thing. You get the same effect, you get the same reaction. So less is more. And um, I kind of learned that less is more working with like veterans before or like working with people from Japan. It's just like, it's straight to the point. And like working, uh, I talked and worked with uh, William Regal a few times and he taught me the same thing. And he was like, run 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 to this it's the same thing it's just ducking and doing this and i would eventually move on to the duck in this and it was the same so learning that less is more uh probably the biggest one very refreshing to hear somebody your age and with your time in the business um being willing to admit that they have learned that so quick because that is so true and if you if you can comprehend that now at 18 years old you're going to preserve your body for a long time and be able to tell much better stories while it's still incorporating some of the high-flying style that you do. So uh, th th that's great that you can acknowledge that and understand that. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, you know, uh, it was like what Tommy just said earlier as well, like that sit-down, that sit-down interview did so much more than any kind of move that you could possibly do inside of a wrestling ring and i i would think that's the biggest thing of being part of a weekly show nick is realizing that you are telling stories yes you have to be a great athlete that's the foundation of everything that's done in pro wrestling but being able to tell a story and you and christian have been able to do that in a very very big way it must be very satisfying to you knowing that you're able to do something like that very much so. Yes, it, it's it's kind of crazy to see like how much longevity you can get with just segments. You know, you don't even you don't have to do a match, just segments. Like from Wrestle Dream until now, I've wrestled two times. 
you know, but we're on a segment every single week and we have this longevity from then until now. And it's kind of, it's just crazy to see, you know, and the people that maybe don't understand how much longevity you can get uh, from just segments, they tell me like, dude, you're not wrestling at all. Or they're like, you haven't wrestled in so long. Like, what is going on? Like, why do you, it's like, you don't need a match every week to get distance and longevity. So just these segments and just standing there on the stage and cutting promos is probably so much more distance than doing a eight minute match against whoever, you know. Um, I've seen what Christian has done mentorship with other people, Jack Perry, Luchasaurus. Is he very hands-on with you? Very much so. Yes. I I'm very like, I feel very grateful every week to be under his learning tree. He's just, his, his brain is like no other. I agree. He's also a dick. So be careful. <laughs> Most geniuses in this business are dicks, Nick. Um, are, are you, can be. Nick, um, are you more comfortable being loved or hated? So I've never been hated until now. Um, I've been a baby face and I feel like it would write itself for me to be a baby face from like 14 or 12 until now. Um, so this is kind of like my first time being an actual heel and like being displayed as a bad guy. Like I've taken control and like face versus face matches, but it was never like, boo, you know, but now it's like my first time being presented and wrestling and being put out there as a heel. And are you comfortable with it? It's still getting in the comfort process, yes, because I've only had two matches as a heel, but like all the segments and everything, it like it feels like it feels natural because I'm in there with the people I'm in there with, um, but it's still something I'm kind of getting used to. So you're you, you're used to having fans respond to your athleticism in a ring. Now they're responding for the way you've basically turned your back on your mother and how you've taken you're under christian's wing so you're getting do you hear the crowd when they're when they're um you know yelling at you or telling you they might not like you or booing you and how is that resonating with you just in the in in the in the few weeks or months that you have been a heel um so like like you said, all the times where I was a face, I would get those natural happy and yay reactions uh, because of athleticism or because they saw pain on my face and they wanted to see me win. Um, but now um, I wondered, I was like, is this going to work? Like, are they going to boo me? You know what I mean? And the night of Wrestle Dream, when we did the turn and I walked back up the ramp on each side of the ramp where people stick in their arms, giving me the two middle fingers over the over the guardrail and wrestling and doing these segments. It's like I hear I hear many boos and I hear many people. Are we allowed to swear on here? Yes. I hear many people like, fuck you, Nick. I fucking hate you, Nick. It's just like it's, it's great. So I feel like if you, I'm getting those bad reactions, it's like you're doing the right thing as a heel. Nick, uh, I, I got to ask you something because you're from this generation. Um, it, social media doesn't really affect Bully and I, but you're from that uh, generation with social media, like hating you. It's also mm -hmm. your job. How do you deal with that? Because you're 18 years old and you have this pressure of everyone hating you now. Uh, but it's like, I don't think I could, I could become a pro wrestler today because I think that would bother me. I, how does that affect you mentally? Like, 
so being a heel and kind of look like seeing stuff on the internet on a weekly basis i see people tweet saying nick wayne has such a punchable face which i think is perfect i'm like i i got you you want to punch me in the face i got you um but then there's other people who say like nick wayne is a fucking terrible wrestler like why why does he have the tv time he does why is he in the position he's in um but then again it's like it, there was a time where when I was a face, I would see comments like that and I would be like, damn, I'm like, what is like, why? You know, and I start to maybe question, like, am I doing something wrong? But then I kind of real, I'm like, these are just people behind a keyboard. It's like, I will never see this person. And it's like, they're just, it's, it's very opinionated. And there's a lot of people who try to like say what they think is best and try to book the show, honestly. And, um, but being a heel and kind of seeing that stuff is like, maybe I got you, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's just, it's very like opinionated. And I feel like everyone thinks they have a valid opinion kind of behind the keyboard. Um, but I just, I ignore it now. It's one of those things where when I first started, I would like vanity search my name on Twitter and be like, what are people talking about, about me? And it would be, I would see bad comments and I start to think about it. Like why, you know? And I, I kind of question it. I'd ask other people like, am I doing something wrong? And they're like, it's so opinionated. This happens with everybody, with every wrestler that's on that national TV stage everyone gets hated on it's just like it's a part of the deal you know so um it doesn't really affect me at all and like if i had hate when i was younger when i was like 15 16 and people would hate on me i never let it get to me back then either i just use it as a motivation to get better and to try to prove them wrong one day um but now living in the world where it is very opinionated um i I don't really let it bother me good and don't ever let it nick uh you're doing a great job because i gotta be honest i hate you so uh, what you're doing on TV each and every week is definitely clicking and definitely working. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this matchup that's taking place on Saturday at Full Gear again. Available on pay-per-view Saturday, Full Gear, out on the West Coast. Sting, Darby Allen, Adam Copeland going up against Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and our guest, Nick Wayne. Nick, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. We'll be watching Dynamite tonight. We'll be watching on Friday. And of course, we'll be watching Full Gear on Saturday. And we'll be talking about it right here on Busted Open. Nick, awesome job. Great first interview. And thank you so much for the time. Thank you guys for all your guys' time. Thank you guys for having me. All right, hey, Nick care, Wayne. Man. The Busted Open Podcast is now available on YouTube. This is Dave LaGreca, host of Busted Open, the number one pro wrestling show on the planet. You can now watch and listen to the award-winning Busted Open Podcast every single day on YouTube. Our best interviews, behind-the-scenes access, and some of our best content from the past, all available right now when you go to YouTube.com slash at Busted Open Podcast. Subscribe right now. As a wrestling fan, you know it's hard. All the blood, the sweat, the tears, the chairs. It's a hard day out there. And do you know what tastes incredible after a hard day in the ring? A Mike's Hard Lemonade. You get all hot and bothered, and then you can cool off with an ice-cold hard lemonade. Since day one, Mike's Hard Lemonade has been making lemonade the hard way. They take three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked, from family farms and cold press them to create a taste like no other. They choose to do things the hard way because they know hard days deserve a hard lemonade. That's why for 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. Find now in store, Mike's is hard, so is prison. Don't drive drunk. 
premium malt beverage with flavors. Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Very excited to talk about and talk to our next guest. And tomorrow night when it comes to West Coast Pro Wrestling Whiplash, will it be a tap out or a knockout? As Timothy Thatcher goes up against our guest, a first-timer here on Busted Open, Tommy, the one and only Chris Hero. Chris, how are you? And thank you so much for the time. I am fantastic. Uh, thank you thank you guys for making the time, man. It's a pleasure to be here and chat with you. And Dave, I got to say, I've wrestled uh, so many people in my career, and Chris Hero is in my top 10 of favorite opponents. Wow. I loved working with him. And uh, for my own shows uh, back in the day with House of Hardcore, as well as somebody I was just like, hey, dude, I got a lot to do. You think about the match and I'll listen to you because uh, he's so good in the ring. My my biggest question, man, because uh, I know you're a historian like myself. You love this stuff. How important for you to return after a three year hiatus? Man, it's, uh, you know, when wrestling's your life, um three and a half years is a long time. It's a long time. Um, and it's weighed very heavily on me. Uh, circumstances were different, uh, because, you know, I let go, I got let go during the pandemic. Uh, and I was very adamant about not traveling at that time, not taking any unnecessary risks. Um, yeah. And then, you know, it became three months to six months. Then I was out a year. And once you're out a year, you're kind of like, man, when I come back, you know, it's it's going to be something, right? And I, I wanted it to be something. So, you know, I had a, a lot of different offers. I had a lot of a lot of nice offers, good offers. Uh, but it, you know, it has to be something that you feel. Um, and this situation came up with West Coast Pro. Uh, if you don't know, back in March, um, I announced myself as their matchmaker, right? And I had worked with the promoter Scott once prior and we had maintained a relationship and I, um, I just approached him with the idea of like, Hey, let me come in and like help produce your shows. I'll, I'll format them. Um, I'll work with each segment individually. Uh, I'll, I'll come up a day early. I'll stay a day late. I'll, I'll, I want to go to the wrestling school. I want to work with people um, and just kind of really get my hooks in and kind of, um, you know, independent wrestling, the thing that makes independent wrestling good, like its essence, its spirit um, can also be the thing that holds it back sometimes because there aren't a lot of parameters Um there's not a lot of direction and you know, that's where magic happens sometimes, but other times it kind of, it can take away from the enjoyment of the show, the energy of the crowd. Uh, and then also the progression of the individual wrestlers. Like if you don't, if you know, if you're out there playing um, football in, in the yard with some friends, you know, you're not trying to like tighten things up and run great routes and do whatever. But like when you get a coach in there to kind of work with you and, 
tighten things up. You can see that raw potential and kind of, um, you know, just fine tune it a little bit. So I just, I came to West coast pro once and I just thought, man, there's really something special here between the talent, uh, the owner, the way that it's run, uh, just the generosity of the company in general and just the audience. And I, I, deep in the back of my head, I was like, man, I, I think I would like to be a part of this. So I came in this, uh, this show tomorrow will be the ninth show that I've come in and produced and, and such for, for them. So I've built up a relationship and then, you know, after a couple shows, it just starts feeling like, man, where do I fit in here? Can, can I do something? Um, and it was paramount for me to be a part of something that, um, that just, I was all in on man that I, from, from the moment we get there to the building, to the, we're all grabbing a bite after the show. Like I really feel like a part of this. Uh, and it's not just, I'm coming in, putting my boots on and having a match. Um, I, I really feel like I'm a part of this here. And that was the deciding factor in me coming to do it here rather than, you know, all those wonderful offers that I had that I just, you know, just didn't, didn't feel it. You know, it's interesting, Chris, because you talk about the lockdown, you talk about the pandemic. I think a lot of people's lives and careers changed during that period. And then you step away. And like you said, you're adamant, didn't want to travel, didn't want to take any risks at that time. Was there a point at, at, at all during that period where you're like, you know what, maybe, you know, listen, I've done it all. I've been everywhere. Did you think about, hey, maybe this is time for me to step away from pro wrestling? I couldn't let my last match be a battle royal in which I was eliminated first. Okay. <laughs> no, um, no, I, I, uh, even with as dark um, as things have gotten over the past couple of years, I still have this tinge of eternal optimism within me. So I always felt like ah, something will come along, something will come along and I'll know it when I, when I see it. Um, so I never felt like I was done, done, but I just, it had been so long that I just got so stubborn. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do this unless I'm fully on board. Uh, is Timothy Thatcher another main reason why? Oh man, he is just uh, one of my great rivals. Um, throughout this week, we've really been blasting social media, uh, I got together with Joseph Monticilio who makes these Kings road videos. Uh, and it's like an essay over the footage. He is just exceptional, exceptional. Uh, he broke down all seven matches I've had with Tim Thatcher. Um, IQ wrestler put out a highlight video. I'm still very uh, fond of pro wrestling music videos. He put together a video that kind of encapsulates uh, our rivalry but not until seeing that footage, you know, I know what I've done with Tim, but like seeing that footage really puts into perspective. Um, Tommy, the very first time I wrestled Tim Thatcher, um, I wasn't Chris Hero. I was Chris Hyde. And Tim Thatcher was Bryce Braxton Collins. And we were in a studio in Hollywood filming Ret Wrestling Retribution Project where you were one of the one of the right. producers. So wow. first time I met Tim, first time I crossed paths with him, and I didn't realize how vital, how important he'd be to my career. But um, I feel like he's the perfect opponent for me to come back against um, because – you know, his style is very pared down. It's very much about 
the wrestling, uh, the emotion, but at the same time, uh, it's going to look easier than it is. He is just, um, I, I likened wrestling Tim to pushing a boulder uphill, uh, because you could just look from a distance and it just, it looks like it's nothing, right? He's just, he's just pushing it up there, but with every muscle, every fiber in your body, you got to fight this guy. Like this guy is tough. Um, but then also I just needed someone that I had history with and someone that I could connect with and with West coast, we were able to engineer a way to, to set it up. Um, and man, I'm just, I'm really excited. You know, Chris, I'm a Jersey guy. So I first saw you wrestle with ring of honor, you know, back, mm-hmm. I guess like 2005, 2006 in that time period. And, you know, watching all the videos of you and seeing some of the things on YouTube and other accounts, like all the stuff that you've done on the West Coast with PWG now with West Coast Pro. Talk about the difference between the wrestling and the wrestling fans on the East Coast as opposed to the West Coast. Well, the first time I ever wrestled on the West Coast, uh, it would have been in early 2004 when PWG had just had just started. Uh, they had a tag team tournament. I went out. CM Punk was my tag team partner. Um, and I had been getting videotapes uh, from California independent wrestling for years, all the way back to APW, to Revolution Pro, uh, to PWG. Um, and man, uh, you mentioned Jersey in particular. Uh, when I think Jersey, I think Edison, New Jersey. Edison, and yep. some of, yeah, <laughs> some of those. Uh, well, then I, then I also think Jersey All Pro. I think Rahway. That's kind of what, what connects in my brain. Uh, which is funny because those Edison shows and the Rahway shows, they just felt different. You know, they're not too far from one another. But um, East Coast has gotten so much wrestling over the years, good and bad, that you really got to impress them. You know what I mean? There, You can't come out there with this elaborate entrance and whatever and expect people to, you know, to be cheering for you and out of their seats if you haven't earned their respect yet. Right. They're just kind of like, uh, eh, you know, I'll, I'll wait and see, I'll wait and see. But when you get someone from Jersey or someone from New York, Connecticut, New England area, when you get one of those people behind you, like they're behind you for life. Right. Even to their own detriment. Right. <laughs> um, it's, it's, you know, it's like sports, sports fans, same kind of thing. Um, West coast is just, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's just the, the lifestyle. Um, it, yeah, it, I don't know. It's just, a, a, it's a different feel. Um, they're just kind of along for the ride. Uh, they're not as, um, not as critical, not as cynical, you know, yes, in some aspects they are, but it's just, um, man, I, those, a lot of those PWG crowds were some of the hottest and greatest crowds I've, I've ever worked for. And, and West coast pro really has, um, they haven't hit like the jaded point yet. They're okay. still, uh, you know, match, match one to nine, you know, I know nine matches is a lot for a card, but matches one to nine, they're just really appreciative. They're appreciative when we bring a guy like Jeff Cobb back to the Bay area, they're appreciative when they see this kid, JT Thorne make his debut. He's the first person from the West coast pro dojo. And they're, uh, you know, they're going to cut him a little bit of slack. Right. They're going to take somebody like bounty hunter, Brian Keith. They're going to put him up on their shoulders and be like, Hey, this guy is becoming a star and we're helping make him a star. Um, you haven't wrestled in so long. Are you nervous? 
Oh, of course. I'm terribly nervous. Um, it's not a bad kind of nervous where I just want to no show. <laughs> right. But it's the uh, I've kept myself so busy that it is really hard to sit down and, and think about the match itself. You know, um, I ordered uh, new turnbuckle pads for this show. We're going to try something different where we've got a blue corner. We got a black corner. Uh, I got together with the legendary Haru Egawa to make a, a show shirt, right? You know, the legendary designer uh, designed many ECW shirts, yep. uh, you know, all of Terry's shirts. Uh, it was really special for me to, to get in touch with Haru and put something together for this show. Uh, the music videos that are going out, uh, I've got more art coming out. Um, we're going to do a limited VHS release of this show nice. because our fan base, you know, some of them, uh, you know, just like having stuff to display on their walls. You know, I don't know if they're going to pop it in a VHS and watch it, but we'll we'll have that available to them. Um, and, but then also, you know, I'm already here in San Francisco. Uh, Rachel's here. Rachel's mom is here. Uh, so we just hanging out. But then also people start arriving today. Um, got people coming in to shoot the show. Uh, people coming in to go to training tonight. So it is hard to sit there and be like, Oh my God, what am I going to do in my match? You know, is, is it going to be good? Is it going to be worth the wait? Like I just, that, that'll take care of itself. I'm just trying to make sure everything else is lined up. Have you, you know, been in a ring? Yes. Um, okay. Not, a, not a ton. Um, and I haven't been in the ring for myself. Um, every time I'm up here, uh, you know, I come to the training school the night before and depending on what kind of class is there, who's running it, whatever, I'll get in and I'll do some stuff. Last month, I did quite a bit in the ring here. Um, some, sometimes when I'm at AEW and I get there early, I'll hop in the ring, you know, with whoever's there. Um, it's like me and Nigel McGuinness, uh, you know, with, with some of the younger wrestlers, kind of fun. Uh, but yes, I have been in a ring. I haven't like fully tested myself because you know tommy there's no substitution for like the best uh, cardio or the best conditioning for wrestling is just wrestling right yep. there's nothing that um ticks off all those boxes but i've been spending time in the gym just trying to get my body where it needs to be get my brain where it needs to be so um, i'm i'm excited you know uh chris you're an indie legend and I know a lot of people throw that term around a lot, but I think it does definitely describe what you've been able to do in your career. And you've been on the biggest stage like the WWE as well. What part of your career, and you've, you've done it as far as in the ring and even being a mentor and a teacher to a lot of people as well. What part of your career are you the most proud of? Um. It is, it's hard to say, it's hard to narrow it down to one because I feel like, I feel like you can put on a match of mine. I, I've been, September was 25 years in wrestling for me, right? You can put a, put a match of mine on and you can kind of guess based on what I'm wearing, based on the, the venue, you can kind of tell like roughly where it is. And that's, that's pretty pretty fun for me to go back and be like oh that was 2007 oh that was 2011 that was whatever um so i feel like all of my eras have been pretty um just at least unique on their own and there's something good about all of them um uh the the last the the, the last full run that claudio and i had together as a team 2010 2011 um, was just a really, really good time for both of us. And we had some great tag matches. We had some great singles matches. Um, 
you know, I had some of my some of my matches in PWG, whether it was with Akira Tozawa or Danielson that were just still kind of stand up. Uh, but then I also have to look back at my 2015, 2016 uh, era on my own where I was just, man, I would uh, <laughs> I'd wrestle on a, a Thursday. I would fly to England and wrestle on a Saturday, you know, wrestle, yeah, wrestle on a Saturday and come back here and wrestle on a Sunday. Um, I was just trying to get as many dates as possible with as many opponents as possible. And promoters really stacked me up against whoever was out there. You know, I was in the ring with them. Um, and, you know, whether it was a Walter or, or a Keith Lee or a Shibata or an Ishii, um, I really had some of the best opponents of my career during that run. And uh, I was just very proud um, of just a lot of the work that I put in, just, just not just with me, but with my opponents. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream the podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.